Hey everybody, welcome to this latest episode of the First and Fifteenth Podcast. Um, I'm Joel Pulliam, and um, first of all, if you've never listened to this podcast, the name is in reference to the First Amendment, was which is the right to free speech, and the Fifteenth Amendment, which is the right to vote. Combine those two things, trying to engage our community and the nation at large about you know civic issues and you know just speaking my mind. I feel like we all should stand up and speak out and uh just felt led to to speak out on the issues of today so hopefully you tune in and uh you subscribe because you know we're trying to build a community you know that can uh help end oppression uh today i was really led to um talk about like revolution and you know what that entails i think a lot of us i'll preface this by saying i worked in the campaign um, the Joe Biden campaign actually in 2020. Then after that, I worked for the Voter Protection Unit in uh, my home state of South Carolina. And I think the one thing I've learned is that, first of all, voting is essential, so I'm not saying it's not, but that it'll take an extra uh, effort from us as citizens to obtain the goals we really want, right? I wouldn't say like I was naive or that I was like un versed or unlearned when it comes to the political process because I know about those things and you know Senate procedures and all those things in the House and the Senate and the Judiciary Branch and all that but I think a lot of Americans underestimate what it takes to obtain these goals to to uh, destroy white supremacy and all forms of oppression right um, I think 2020 and I wrote about this a lot of us a lot of Americans kind of took that okay Biden won woo that's it when it's not that easy right I wrote a, I wrote a piece saying you know that I was sober maybe some people took it as like oh he some people can't be happy about anything it's not that it's that you got to see on the horizon what has history shown us is that it's not just going to be a simple hey we vote the right person in it takes I'm gonna be honest with you it takes sometimes the ultimate sacrifice there's been no movement in human history that's been void of sacrifice Right. Uh, whether it's revolutions, whether it's uh, like the Haitian Revolution, not saying we want that exactly to happen here, but like whether it's uh, the abolition, the ending of slavery with the Civil War, uh, no matter where in the world, whether it's the end of communism in, in Europe or it's always taken sacrifice. Look back at the civil rights movement. It wasn't a simple, yeah, people marched, but people had to give the ultimate sacrifice. That's just what comes with it, and that's why we should try to avoid, you know, uh, these oppressive systems at all costs, right? Or, or letting them grow and permeate in society, because what it's going to take to undo them is that there will be people who will sacrifice everything. There's just no way around it. And uh, I think we underestimate the need for revolution, and I'm not talking about, like, taking up arms against the government or anarchy. I'm not saying that, but a revolution of our ideals, Right. A revolution of of what we think government to be a revolution of what policing is. And I feel like the also the thing that prevents us from going that extra that extra step in, in reaching that threshold. of What we want is that there are those uh, American traditions that stand in the way. Right. Think of policing. We go back in 2020. We're like, hey, man, we want, you know. To, to end policing as the way it is, not to end policing as a whole per se for everybody, but like uh, 
we don't need police officers for, for eviction notices. We don't need police officers for mental health checks. All these things, right? Major. But what have we tangibly gotten done? Nothing. Like, even in Minnesota, uh, uh, I think the mayor, uh, he kind of, not reversed, but he kind of did reverse everything that he said he was going to do in 2020 to where, like, I feel... The American tradition is this, and this goes far back as um, Richard Nixon, right? 1968, he's running against Hubert Humphrey for the presidency. And what does he tap into? He taps into that 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 white grief, uh, law and order was seen as, okay, you know the playbook. Oh, those black people over there, they're out of order. If you vote for me, I'll make sure to keep them in check. It's It's Reagan. Reagan uses it. Uh, I mean, shoot, Reagan starts his campaign in Philadelphia, Mississippi, you know, talking about states' rights. But but that playbook's been used to go back to default of, okay, what are white people concerned about? It's never the default. I'm going to be honest. It's never what black people are concerned about or what other marginalized people are concerned about. It's always default. What are white people concerned about? You know, the what is it? The the silent majority is what Richard Nixon calls it. Um, you see it even with people like, you know, even I'll admit it, like Bill Clinton when he taps to the sister soldier. You know, it is always a default to go back to that. And I say that because even with Joe Biden, I'm not going to lie. Um, I think us as a nation, we underestimate what we really need to change. I don't think you can just keep it together. Right. Or hopefully I just, you know, keep it safe and in normality. I think it's breaking apart at the seams. It kind of reminds you of uh, before the Civil War. Right. You have uh, Fillmore and Pierce and Buchanan. These presidents, um, they try to keep the nation at bay by, okay, if I can appease both or if we could just tamper down on the actual violence, you know, you get the Kansas-Nebraska Act, which, you know, leads to bloody Kansas, you know, that leads to the Civil War. What you do is that, and I believe it's the old French proverb, like, when you, basically, when you try to avoid destiny, you build the road that leads you right to it. And that this is going to be the policing. It can't continue another hundred years like this. It has to be a revolution of what we do. You know, a country as rich as ours, we shouldn't have homeless people. We shouldn't have people who are begging while they're trillionaires, not trillionaires, but billionaires. I mean, they could already be trillionaires. But like they're they're If you took the richest people in the world, they can end world hunger. You know, and I, and for the richest nation that that has ever existed, the most powerful in terms of, you know, economy that's ever existed for us to have these things still in our country we've seen it firsthand you know the 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 kind of underbelly of society that gets mistreated and i think one time i i remember watching the state of the union and you know back in back to policing and president biden you know he makes a comment basically like we're not going to defund the police we're going to fund the police and just feeling disappointment, like that's not what I worked for on the campaign, right? I worked because it's like, okay, we could finally change things. And it might have been naivete. I'm, I might have been very naive and thinking like, oh, you know, but America always de defaults to whiteness. And I'm just going to be honest and say it. They always default to whiteness. And a lot of white people default to whiteness subconsciously. And instead of being like, no, we need to change these things, it's, well, to win elections, I'm not going to defund police. I'm going to give them even more money when they have all this money and they're still killing people over sunglasses, right? 
They're still choking out people, still still sitting on people and killing them, still beating people to death. And they really, if, if someone's a bully and you don't punish them, but actually give them more like good stuff, like, oh, I'm going to give you more treats. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to bully more people. There is no incentive to change when you give them money without any like, like they don't have to do anything. You know what I mean? Like there, there's nothing like, oh, well, if you do this, these are the requirements, you know, then we'll give you funding. It's like, oh, we're going to give you even more money because I want to win an election. And it's and I remember just thinking that's the American way. We always default to what's safe. And then we, we, we always have the George Floyd moments and we're like, oh, man, this is the time we're going to change. And we don't because we're not serious about actually changing anything. And like that's the part that that angers me because it's not saying it's fool's gold, but it leads people to think, well, polit- politicians don't care and they'll never change anything because we'll never have any wholesale change. When honestly, I believe one day that it will work, but it won't as is in terms of you know, marginal changes, you know, and people will be like, oh, you know, it's, it's the, you have to wait it out. And I agree, but even King didn't have that much patience. Like the civil rights movement is in less than 10 years. Like when King starts, let's say 56, right? By the time 64 rolls, like we have legislation, right? And that time period, like there's desegregation in schools. In that time period, we have a voting rights act. Like, a Civil Rights Act. There were major changes. Um, and I, I, again, I'm not ignorant to the fact that the wheels of, of, of government, they grind slowly, right? But it's also on the, it's on the people, us as citizens. It's our responsibility to also push politicians to even the ones that we vote for to push them to actually do something. You know, the, the boycotts, the sit-ins, all those things are very much needed. The protesting and to stay on people, right? Because that's the only way they're going to change. LBJ, yes, he passes things. But again, you know, without things like Bloody Sunday, without Dr. King and that movement, I'm not sure. Like, he doesn't have the political cachet or will to to pass these major pieces of legislation um and i just feel like i want our country and politicians to really take that step forward even when it comes to the filibuster i would love for president biden to be like no we don't need the filibuster if it's standing in the way of voting rights human rights anything that stands in the way of human rights needs to be removed right and 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 the people on the opposite side i kind of compare i know i do compare them to the confederacy and to the jim crow south right i remember uh I was reading John Lewis's book and uh, he talked about how there, I, I forget the name of the senator. Uh, he comes into President Johnson's uh, office and is basically saying, hey, these old Dixiecrats, they're not going to give up. They're going to have to just basically fall on their swords. And that's kind of what we're dealing with. It's not going to be just like normal times where like, oh, well, if we just, you know, vote, they'll get there. You see what they're doing. In Florida, you see what they're doing in Texas. You see what they're doing in Georgia. It's not a stalemate. It's not like we're both. No, they are moving forward, whatever their agenda is, and that is the same intensity we have to use. With any any nonviolent legal way, we need to to implement what we want. Because 
I'm not sure in 2024 we'll get that opportunity if things don't go the right way. If we don't do what we're supposed to do. If politicians don't do what they're supposed to do. It's a symbiotic relationship. You can't ask people to vote for you and then you're not taking that extra step. You know, I tell my mom all the time, I'm like, you know, I'll be like, hey, man, you know, I miss John Lewis. Right. I, I miss those people who are a compass of of morality and you always felt like they would do everything in their power. I remember he didn't go to Trump's inauguration and that there were people who other Democrats who you thought would stand with them and they didn't. And that was disappointing. But he always stood on his principles. You know, he talks about good trouble. He was always down. And I think that's the part we're missing is that some people don't understand the battle we're in. This is this reminds me again of, like I said, the Millet Fillmore, you know, Franklin Pierce, James Buchanan years to where it's that that bubbling before the storm, you know, the bubbling before the explosion of the Civil War. And I just feel like this country can't keep going the way it is. It has to have a revolution of ideals. There has to be a second American revolution. Um, in a country, we, we've just come to accept police brutality as if that's normal when it's not. We've, we've become accustomed to, to homeless people. I remember going by the White House and seeing a homeless person probably like a pile hundred feet like to the side because there's like a sidewalk and he's trying to get warmth by like sitting on the vent and the sidewalk and I'm thinking to myself how do we have the most powerful place on earth the most powerful person on earth resides in that house and then just a short distance away there's someone who has nothing and they have to sit on heat vents to stay warm when it's freezing when that's when I say we need a revolution of ideals I don't want to go back to normalcy we have to be maladjusted to what American normal, what a normal in America is, is inequality. What normal in America is, is bigotry. What normal is in America is hatred. And that's the thing. I don't ever want to go back to what was normal. We need a revolution today. And I'm not saying like who, what politician or whatever. That's up to you. But what I'm saying is that as a voter, you have to change your ideals of what's enough. As citizens, we have to change what we accept as enough or what is normalcy. That same energy we have in 2020, we have to continue that or we won't get any further. And to politicians, they actually have to stand on something. You know, Kennedy, John Kennedy writes a book called Profiles and Courage. And that's what we need now. People who will go that extra mile, right? People who are willing to lose elections in order to win morally in, in their time. That's the type of courage that we need. And um, we're going to talk in further episodes about, again, you know, maybe we'll go on historical revolutions and what it took, you know, specific instances. But I just wanted to speak on that because I feel I don't want it to return to normalcy. I'm tired of what's normal. I'm tired of the rat race. I'm tired of, of, of you know, capitalism will always be in America. That I mean, let's be honest. But I'm tired of people being greedy and taking advantage of workers, you know, and maybe in uh, future episodes, I'll, I'll reflect on my personal experiences when it came to uh, uh, the rat race or, or just how workers are treated in America and that we, we just need something different. Um, so uh, thank you guys for listening to me. And like I always say, man, there's nothing wrong with being upset. 
because passion only means that you're still alive. So uh, thank you and God bless.